Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure to welcome Step Sidnar to the show. Welcome, Step. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you. So Step is the CEO of Step Sidnar Training Solutions, and he and his company work with Fortune 500 CEOs, as you'd expect from the name of the company, on sales strategy and transformation initiatives. Today, we're going to be talking about surviving and thriving in sales during COVID and beyond. Before we get into that, I love to get to know our guests, and I'm also a humongous book nerd. So I'll start by asking the question I ask all my guests, which is, what is one of your favorite sales books of all time? And what's something that you can teach the listeners that you learn from the book? Yeah, I like Skip Miller's book, Proactive Sales Person. I like that book because, well, one, Skip's a good friend of mine, but he's got some great practical advice of how to be proactive, sales strategies, emails, and voicemail, tactical thing that I found really, really helpful. One of the things that I actually train a lot is a formula that Skip has a book called C times F equals revenue. And C stands for competency or skill set level, and F stands for frequency of activity. So what that means that as a salesperson like myself, you know, I want to make a certain amount of revenue every year. So how am I going to do that? Well, frequency of activity is really important. That means number of phone calls, number of engagements, number of proposals, number of emails that go out, you know, anything that's a tactical activity. And if you're doing that and the revenue's not there, then it's a skill set issue. So it helps you, instead of doing more activity, it helps me look at, well, what is my skill set to do that activity? And am I doing the activity well? So I love that formula that Skip has in his book. Yeah, I often refer to that as effectiveness times effort, right? And I know in my own work as a sales operations leader, I'll stack rank reps not only on their revenue performance, but I do also like to look at their stack rank on their activity. For an SDR, for example, I'll look at opportunities generated per certain number of activities. Or for an AE, I'll look at the amount of revenue generated per certain number of activities. I really strive to learn from those reps who have that really, really high competency number, or really, really high effectiveness number, because they're doing things that are unique. And if you listen to their calls, if you can figure out what that mojo is and teach other people to do it, you can really raise the performance of the team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Emulating those things, I think it's just, it's been real helpful for me. And it's real helpful for reps to see kind of where they are. As I've gone from company to company, I've often thought about, okay, who is the best rep and what are the characteristics that make them special? I'm sure you've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of companies in 20 years of doing this. And you've looked at, I would presume, stack rank those reps and looked at the top reps and then interviewed them. Are there any commonalities that the very tippy top reps share across the companies you've worked with? I think so. One of the things I see between really successful reps is, one, they have a really good, strong work ethic. They're working, they're doing a lot of activity. Whatever measurement you put against them, they raise the bar. They have a kind of a personal measurement that they hold themselves accountable to. And they are really intuitive and good listeners, I would say. That means they're not only listening to what the prospect is saying or the executive is saying, whoever their audience is. They kind of have that sixth sense of what to ask and how to convince people to convince themselves that they need to buy their product. And that just makes them unique and very, very different. The two that I think stand out for me, I found the top reps are ruthless prioritizers. If you try to pull them into a meeting, 
that is like an internal meeting that they don't judge there's value in or an initiative or a project, whatever, they will just say no, that they're really, really good at that. And then the other thing is they're so on top of every deal. It's not just knowing whatever criteria you use, Bant, Medic, Anim, whatever it happens to be. It's knowing for this deal, here's the plan of how to get to the end. And they know where they are on each of those critical deal-based factors at all time. To the point of, I guess, the challenger sales stuff is that they have the willingness and ability to gracefully nudge the prospect along to the next step. And if that prospect is not willing and able to go there, then the rep will walk from the deal. So I think they have got that mentality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really high goal orientation, which creates that need to prioritize and you know, just like you said, if, do I need to be in this meeting and why do I need to be in this meeting? Well, let's transition over into the main topic of the day, which is all about surviving and thriving. You've kind of branched from the core that you often find with people who are in the sales training business to more the personal and professional soft side. As we get into this, why move off the traditional sales training ethos? You know, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've been through a lot of circumstances where highs and lows, and with each one of those challenges, I've had to kind of rise above the particular circumstance. And on a personal level, you know, my dad, uh, of course, he passed away, started a coffee plantation in his earlier career, and uh, worked really hard about it, had a lot of investors, and it didn't work out. And he went into a really long depression, then he got out of that, and then he got into real estate and brokerage and was doing really well at that. And then that economy hit, that didn't work out, and he didn't go back to work for the rest of his life. And I kind of looked at that as I went through certain life challenges for myself. I mean, on a sales level, you know, proposals that you knew were going to close that suddenly turned and went south, income that you're expecting that suddenly it didn't happen. And I would look at, you know, kind of my dad's experience and thought, you know, he kind of got stuck in survivor mode. That was really the foundation of having me look at the internal story you're telling yourself that's creating some of these staying stuck in survivor mode. Yeah, well, you've talked now about the survivor mode. And so, yeah, let's get started on the framework that you have. We use the word survivor a lot. In fact, we have a tendency to accept just surviving certain circumstances as acceptable. And we have a lot of things that we have to survive, bankruptcies, divorces, deaths in the family, some kind of loss or a dream of a business. And so what happens is that sometimes with all these little experiences that create some kind of trauma in our life, we get stuck in a survivor mode. The four characteristics of surviving are self-preservation, victim, villain, helpless, parasite, and actor. And we'll go through each one of those, compare them. You definitely got me a little depressed <laughs> with all those challenges that we all face. So yeah, I'd love to bring us out of the depth of what it means to be a survivor and work towards how we can view the world with a thriver mentality. There's part of your life in sales that's going well. There's another part of your life that's probably not going well. It's good to recognize that you got to move out of these into more thriving. When you're in self-preservation, you become reactive, not proactive. You can see this in salespeople. They have a tendency to have lower prospecting activity. Well, it's because they're telling themselves that I have to do the minimal best that I can do. They do lower outbound phone calls and emails. 
and they're more sensitive to rejection. Now compare that to self-growth, which is just more proactive. They're asking themselves, you know, what's my role in this problem? I need to get to quota. I need to be doing better. Over 60% of sales reps in this current economic climate are not even getting close to quota. Instead of being part of the 60%, a thriver is going to say, I want to be part of the 40%. They are paying attention to their prospecting activities, the messaging that's going out in emails, phone calls, voicemails, and they're changing it up to be more human to human. The other thing that thrivers do that survivors aren't willing to do until they decide, I got to get off this survivor bench, is studying your competition. Understand what is the differentiation between your product and your competitor's product. How are your competitors going to market? The major differentiator right now with suspects and prospects is the rep. That research tells us that reps are over 50% of the buying equation. So if that's true, and you're a people person, pay attention to when you get engaged, what are you saying and how are you saying that? Only 9% of the buying equation is price. Well, for people who you mentioned they are paying attention to their messaging, it really ties back to the thing we were talking about earlier with respect to competency or effectiveness. What are some sources that you would direct people to to improve their messaging? I just love Google. You can go to Google, type in their best voicemail messages during COVID-19 or best emails. And immediately you can adopt what they're doing, edit it, and do an A-B test. And A-B testing, you know what that is. It's send out so many emails with this messaging, send out emails with a different messaging that would be your B test, and then measure the response rate to see which one's getting open more. Uh, Another thing is, what is the subject line? What subject lines are getting open and which ones aren't, which are sounding like I'm helping you as opposed to just trying to sell you something? Because for right now, the number one thing we see from prospects is don't try to sell me right now. I'm just trying to figure out how to get through this and keep my business engaged. Yeah, on the subject lines, we do a lot of analysis internally of the subject lines that our clients are sending. We've I feel like a kid in a candy store, we have over a billion interactions between our customers and their clients. And We've looked at things that are and are not working. I recently posted on LinkedIn about putting COVID or coronavirus in your subject line actually decreases response rates by about 40%. So that's a definite no-no. And then just last night, I was looking at other things that actually do work. And I got curious about the phrase quick question. I think it's like a 40 or 50% actually increase in your response rate if you simply put quick question in your subject line. So there, there are definitely things out there that are still working. And I fully support your advice to, hey, you know, Google this, read LinkedIn feeds, follow different experts who talk about this and try those things. They may or may not work for you, but you'll never know unless you A-B test them. Yeah, reps are just leaders. You know you're stuck in survivor mode when you feel like you're the victim, villain, or helpless. And we've heard those terms before, but... You know, a victim role is, it's not my fault. And it's true that a lot of the COVID-19 virus isn't anybody's fault. Well, I mean, we could debate that, but I mean, I'm sitting in my office and, uh, you know, I can't go out and I could blame other people for that, but that doesn't help me solve problems. A victim just says that those are stories that make us out to be innocent sufferers or a villain, you know, it's all your fault. Think of the difference between that and a warrior. Well, they're fearless and they put on courage. They are not telling themselves, 
which is I hear a lot when you get a reps together that aren't meeting quota, they're not making the money they want, that prospects aren't buying right now. Nobody's interested. They don't have any money. That's a big one that I hear. I mean, the economy's tight. Nobody has any money. Warriors aren't thinking about that at all. I mean, they're imagining the best outcome, not the worst outcome, and staying focused on that. Yeah, that does make sense. Well, I know you got two more facets of thriving, so let's move on to the third one. Yeah, so if you're a sales rep, you know your survivor mode. If you're a parasite, it'll attach itself to a host and just drain energy. Salespeople that are caught up in this, they become accepting or allowing what happens or what others do without any active response or resistance. They seem to just lose all their boundaries. The other thing they do is they absorb a lot of energy. I see this with people that are so concerned about their future that they pull other people down with them. And all they want to talk about is how bad the market is, uh, as opposed to talking about what can I do with the current market conditions and what are some choices that I have. They're also not very effective around other people because they just anchor people to the same problem. I mean, I'm dealing with this right now, really talented individual, but then she calls up all the other reps and she gets them really disappointed in the company that they're working with because she's stuck in this parasite mode. But the thrivers are the ones that tend to get out of that parasite mode into becoming a player, producing energy. And what does that mean? Well, understanding the critical success factors for your company, boss, industry, products are providing. They're not focused on absorbing energy. They're focused on implementing energy. And so I've seen this a lot when somebody's sitting down, they're on a conversation with an executive. They're trying to find out from the executive the issues that are critical to their success so they can align themselves with that, with their boss, with the industry, with their prospects, and they show up providing solutions because that's what team players do. The other thing I think that players do really well is they separate story from facts. That means they're really good at paying attention to what they're thinking about, and they manage their negative self-talk and those negative imaginations. They are consistently on the phone, scheduling Zoom meetings or go-to meetings, encouraging the rest of the team to make it to the top, kind of like Zig Ziglar says. You know, you got to do a checkup from the neck up because it's all happening between your ears. So I find that thrivers are really back in the game. They may have got knocked out for a little bit, That surviving tendency is natural to all of us, but they decided, man, I'm getting off this bench and I am going to head for my particular goals and visions and opportunities. Yeah, that one certainly resonates. Positivity is incredibly important and getting out of the rut. Let's move into your fourth item, which is how you move from actor to director. Yeah, so I was uh, took my daughter to New York and we went and watched a Broadway play. I was actually writing the book called Survivor Thrive, Creating the Life You Want Out of Life You Have. And my mind was on this particular topic. And I thought, you know, survivors can be actors. That means an actor learns a particular script and every night they're repeating the same thing. And the other things that actors do, they really live for the applause and the attention of others. Instead of rewriting their script, like right now where I'm sitting, a lot of our conversations with clients and even myself is I'm going to have to reimagine my business. I'm going to have to reimagine and retool what I'm doing here. And you know, in your survivor mode, when you're not doing that, you're just reliving the same story over and over and over, sending out the same emails, sending out the same voicemails, waiting for your boss to tell you and provide solutions as opposed to becoming a solution 
oriented person yourself. And they live for the praise and attention of others. And that's really important because if you're on the phone marketing yourself to executive level people, you may find that it's more important that you're liked by them than really being a consultant that's bringing solutions to the table as opposed to a director. I love that directors are responsible for the whole play. Win or lose, they take full responsibility. And they're busy calling the shots in the areas that they know they have control over. They're responsible for their results. They're solution-oriented, meaning they're making a plan, looking at solutions to bring values to the audience. What is their industry? What are the industry challenges? You just Google it, and somebody in their industry is writing about it. And they feel they have control and direction that creates confidence. So those are the particular four characteristics. So salespeople, you can ask yourself, am I in self-preservation mode right now or am I in self-growth? Am I a victim, villain, and helpless or do I see myself as a warrior? Am I surrounding myself with other sales warriors? Am I a parasite absorbing a bunch of energy from everybody? Am I an actor just kind of living out? I'm not really sure who I am or what my gifts and talents are. And I seem to be complaining a lot. And I'm living for the attention and the of other people as opposed to a director, you know, where I have control. I am 100% responsible for my response. And I'm doing everything I can. And I'm writing out what my survivor tendencies are and then mapping it over to a director tendency. You summarize so well that I'm going to instead use the opportunity to throw a zinger of a question at you to, to wrap things up. What's something that most people believe is true about sales that you think is horribly false or advice that's commonly given that most people accept that you think is actually bad advice? I would say prospecting, it's not easy or hard. It's really strategic and tactical. Let's say one of your strategies is, you know, I want to make 100K a year. There's a lot of tactical activities that come to play with that, and that gets broken down into sub-goals. If you're not sure what the strategy is or the tactics are, get with a superstar and just watch what they do. My first professional selling career, I was selling motherboard component parts and mil-spec connectors. My goal was $300,000 for the year, and I had a virgin territory. And after three months, I was not doing very well. In fact, my national sales manager called me up and told me that my quote is 300000 I said, yeah, I know that. He said, well, you've sold $297 in the last three months. And man, I don't know what he said after that, but I knew this. I had just one option. I could get a mentor and find out what I was doing wrong because I was doing all the activity. Or I was going to have to pretend I was working really hard and go find another job. And that really helped me to see that, you know, sales is really strategic and tactical. But if you think it's easy or hard, you're not going to do very well at it. And I think that's where a lot of our C players or B minus players have a tendency to be stuck in that particular mindset. Yeah, in many ways, I think it's the parallel of the fixed mindset and growth mindset, right? Is I think prospecting is easy. It's not easy. I react badly. Or, and again, it obviously goes up and down where I think you're right. The growth mindset is really here's what I need to do and here's how I need to evolve to get there. So I think that's a, a great way to, to summarize that takeaway. For the folks who are listening, I'm going to spell Step's name because he's got both an unusual first and last name. So it's two P's, S-T-E-P-P, last name Sidnor, S-Y-D-N-O-R. Step, if people want to learn more about Step Sidnor Training Solutions or get in touch with you personally, what are the best ways for them to do that? Well, I actually have a gift that they could have. So if anybody wants an e-copy of the Survivor Thrive book, it's won three awards, dives into a lot more than what we talked about. 
if you email me at step at stepupnow.com, and step is two Ps, stepupnow.com, and just say, I'd like a copy of the ebook, we'll send you a free copy. You don't have to go to Amazon and buy it. We'll just send you a free copy of it because we want to help as many people as possible. Outstanding. Well, thanks for being generous with the book giveaway. Definitely uh, I know people appreciate that. And thanks for being on. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.